Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the next part in our Daniel series, A Pandemic Survival Kit. I'm going to pray for us, then we're going to get straight into God's Word. Father, we want to thank you for the stories of your Word, and we want to thank you that you care about the story of each of our lives and the story of what's happening on planet Earth today. And we ask for the help of your Spirit to understand what's written in your Bible story and how it relates to us and encourages us and helps us. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Great. Had a great time in Daniel chapter 1. Now we are in Daniel chapter 2. I hope you're following along with the devotionals that we can get out to you. If you haven't got one yet, get to our website. Please get our number, WhatsApp us, and uh, we'd love to get resources into your hands as part of your pandemic survival kit. What happens in Daniel 2? Well, remember that we've got four Hebrew boys deported from uh, Jerusalem. They're now in Babylon. They had an exciting time last week. If you didn't uh, catch that message, you can go back and um, find it on our website site and YouTube and Facebook and so on. But what happens in Daniel chapter 2 is the Babylonian king, his name is Nebuchadnezzar. What a name. And the Bible says that uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he's dreaming dreams. And because of these dreams, he's troubled. And because he's troubled, he wants answers. He wants to find out what's going on. He can't even sleep. So the Bible tells us that he calls together the wisest men in his kingdom. He gets together his sorcerers and magicians and enchanters and astrologers. And he says to them, hey team, I've had a dream and I want you to tell me what it means. And his astrologers and his wise men said, okay, no problem. Tell us the dream, and then we'll tell you what it means. This is where it gets really interesting. Because Nebuchadnezzar says to them, well, um, actually, what I've decided is I want you to tell me what dream I dreamt, and then to tell me the meaning of it. And if you don't do that, I'm going to cut you up into pieces and I'm going to turn your houses into piles of rubble. But if you can do it, I'm going to heap you with gifts and rewards and honor. How's that? And uh, the wise men are like, um, no, please tell us what the dream is and then we'll interpret it for you. And Nebuchadnezzar says, no, 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 no. You see, I think that you guys might try and pull a fast one on me. And so the only way that this is going to work is if you tell me what dream I dreamt, then I'll know that actually you can give me a real interpretation of my dream. We pick it up in Daniel chapter 2, verse 11. Here's the response of the wise men. They said, what the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And they don't live among men. Anyone got God as your next door neighbor? You, 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 no, no, not me either. Anyone got God living in your, in your uh, a gated community? You, you, no, not me either. The gods don't live amongst men. It's an interesting story so far, isn't it? Let me just press pause over there for a moment. One Bible commentary says that uh, what the wise men have just said, that we can't give you the answer. In fact, uh, the gods don't live among men, and they're the ones with the answers. One Bible commentator says that this here is a confession of the failure of paganism. It's the confession of the failure of a world system outside of God. We're living in a world that's looking for answers, especially now with all that's going in the health sector and COVID-19, the world is looking 
for answers. And just like in this story in the Bible, the world is struggling to find the answers that we're looking for. The most powerful man in the world, the wealthiest man in the world, he can't find answers. Nebuchadnezzar is rich. He's king of the most powerful nation in the world. He can't find answers. He calls together all the people from the best universities and with the, the, the best degrees and qualifications. They can't find the answers that Nebuchadnezzar is looking for. Even today, world leaders are calling virologists and epidemiologists and economists and saying, we need answers. And friends, let's be honest, we're struggling to find the answers. The most powerful men and powerful nations in the world are looking for answers today. Here's tool number one for your pandemic survival kit today. Tool number one that we get from the book of Daniel is don't expect people to have all the answers. We don't. Well, who does? What do we do? Well, we'll read on in a moment. That's a powerful tool in your survival kit. Don't expect people to have all the answers. Well, that's what I'm telling you today, but Nebuchadnezzar wasn't having any of that. He said, well, actually, wise men, I'm paying you to have the answers. Otherwise, what am I paying you for? You're all going to be put to death. And so Nebuchadnezzar orders the execution of all of the wise men in Babylon, and he sends a death squad for Daniel and his friends. Some people are going through tough times in the workplace because of what's happening with the pandemic. A lot of us are facing job insecurity, financial insecurity. A lot of us have received some tough emails. A lot of us have received some tough letters. Well, in Daniel's day, a letter of termination had a more serious meaning. And he woke up one morning and there's a death squad that's come because of the king's command. Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, comes and he's come to put Daniel and his friends to death. Daniel answers, the Bible says, with wisdom and tact. What a leader. And he says, uh, um, Arioch, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch tells him and Daniel says, well, let me go see the king. Daniel goes and sees the king and he manages to get the king to give him some time to find the answer. Daniel hurries home and he talks to his friends, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. What a fun prayer meeting to call if you remember their name meanings from, from uh, last week. Hey, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. Hey, God is gracious. Hey, God is our help. Hey, who is like God? We need to pray and plead to God for an answer. That's exactly what they do. Daniel's friends support him in prayer in the middle of the night. God gives Daniel the answer to the question that was on their hearts. And then Daniel's response when God has answered his prayer is classic. I want us to work through it verse by verse briefly. I'm in Daniel chapter 2, verse 20. And if you like, even before we get there, I want to give you the second tool for your pandemic survival kit. And that is to remember that God is large and in charge. Remember that God is large and in charge. Track with me. Daniel's just received the answer to his prayer. He says, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. The God of the Bible is large in wisdom. The brightest minds on the planet couldn't figure this out. But God, who's large in wisdom, could give Daniel the answer. 
Not just that, wisdom and power are his. The most powerful man on the planet was helpless, but God is large in power. It reminds me of another part of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 25. It says this, the foolishness of God, this, this, this is a great statement, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. God is large and he's in charge. Read on. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the, to the discerning. Who sets up kings? The God who's in charge. Who deposes them? The God who's in charge. Sometimes over recent years, it's felt like whole nations are surprised by the results of elections and referendums. There are no surprises for the God of the Bible because he's large and in charge. He sets up kings and he deposes them. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. He reveals things. But this verse is great. Even if sometimes he doesn't reveal things to us like he did to Daniel, he still knows what's in darkness. How's it all going to turn out? You and I may not know. But God knows what's in darkness. Verse 23, Daniel says, I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me, me, wisdom and power. You have made known to me what was asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. You see, the God of the Bible, he's not just large and in charge, but he's involved in our lives. A friend of mine called Jonathan FTE wrote a song. I love the lyrics. It says that the God of the Bible, it's a worship song to him. It says, you are infinite and intimate. You are powerful and personal. The God who reigns is also our Father. It's good news to remember at times like this, friends. Our God, our loving Father, is large and in charge. Daniel's got the answer. He tells Ariok to take him to the king. Daniel says to the, says to the king that, hey king, We've got the answer. God's given it to me. The dream went like this. Verse 29. As you were lying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come and the revealer of mysteries. That's our God. The revealer of mysteries showed you what is going on. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. What a dream. 
And then Daniel's interpretation and the way he delivers it is absolutely breathtaking. Check it out. He says, this was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. I'm reading from verse 36, now 37. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory, and in your hands he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. Can you imagine Nebuchadnezzar going, yes, I'm the head of gold. How cool is that? But Nebuchadnezzar shouldn't have celebrated so quickly because hidden in what Daniel said was a challenge. Daniel said to him, it's the God of heaven who's given you this power. Yeah, mankind, the beasts of the field, they're in your hands, but it's, it's God who's placed them in your hands. He's saying to the Nebuchadnezzars of this world, you may be in charge, but to whatever degree you're in charge, it's only because the God of heaven has allowed you and placed you in charge. Reading on, the Bible says in verse 39, but you, after you, another kingdom will arise. Daniel was saying to Nebuchadnezzar, you know what, you're in charge right now, you've got this kingdom of gold, it all looks great, even though you have dreams you can't figure out. But Nebuchadnezzar, even though the wise men, when they greet you, they say, oh king, live forever. You know and I know you're not going to live forever. One day there's going to be an after you. One day, king, there'll be another king after you. There'll be another kingdom after your kingdom. And friends, this is powerful news. This is good news for you and I. Because you and I can know that there is going to be an after this president and after this king and after this superpower and after this nation. There is going to be an after the coronavirus. The third and final tool for your survival kit in this pandemic is remember that this too shall pass. That's Bible language. Daniel was saying, hey, look, king, whether I like it or not, you're in charge and that's, but there will be an after you. We can say to the coronavirus, coronavirus, there will be an after you. It reminds me of the scene in uh, one of the Lord of the Rings movies where Gandalf is facing this massive creature. I think it's called the Balrog. And he has a staff in hand and he stands for himself and he stands for his friends behind him and stands for so much more. And he makes this powerful declaration to this massive evil beast. He says, you, you can say it at me at home, if, say it with me at home if you know the words. He says, you shall not and then he strikes down with a staff. It's an epic moment. Well, you and I can have the same kind of spirit about us as we say to the troubles of this world, to the economic hardship, not you're easy, not you can't hurt us, but you can say this with confidence. You shall pass. You shall pass. You won't last forever. 
John Maxwell, a leadership expert, says that at times of crisis, there's a human tendency to assume that this is the worst thing that's ever happened. No one's ever gone through this before. And then he walks through history and says, hey, friends, this is not the worst time to be alive. This, too, will pass. Daniel could say it to Nebuchadnezzar. People in the 1900s could say it to the Spanish flu. People in World War I, World War II could say, this too shall pass. And you and I can say with confidence, we can look coronavirus in the eye with the biblical wisdom that we get from Scripture, and we can say, you too shall pass. Remember that. And Christians have been saying that down through the ages. One story I came across that I absolutely loved as we were uh, preparing for this Sunday. It's the story of uh, an evil Roman emperor called Julian. And uh, he hated Christians. And he was on one of his expeditions uh, to battle another superpower called Persia at that time. And there were Christians in a place called Antioch. And one of, one of, uh, one of uh, Julian's soldiers said to a Christian in the church in Antioch, Hey, I hear you worship, you worship a carpenter's son. He says, What's the carpenter's son doing? I love this quote from this Christian in Antioch. It's epic. The Christian replied, the maker of the world, whom you call the carpenter's son, is employed in making a coffin for your emperor. Within days, news came to Antioch of Julian's death. That Christian knew that what he was going to, that too, would pass. But something wouldn't pass. What won't pass? It's this prophecy. It's this prophecy of the stone kingdom. It talks about a kingdom that is coming that will not pass away. I'm going to look at some characteristics of it briefly before we stop and get into some discussion time. It says, in the time of those kings, verse 44, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will, four dimensions to it. Number one, it will never be destroyed. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go, but this kingdom will never be destroyed. Number two, this kingdom is final. It will not be left to another people. There were times when communism looked like this massive, unstoppable giant, and it felt like overnight communism fell. The Iron Curtain fell. Number three, about this kingdom that we learn, that, will, that, that, that rock that, that becomes this mountain that fills the earth, it will crush all other kingdoms. It's an overwhelming kingdom. And the fourth dimension of this kingdom, this rock kingdom, is that it's a supernatural kingdom. It's not made by human hands. It's a supernatural rock that breaks the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. That's what the story is about. That's what you and I become a part of in Jesus. Some would identify the rock that hits the other kingdoms as the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. Not made of human hands. He was uh, God become man. He had no earthly father. He was born of a virgin. Someone said that he came in, he was uh, at the beginning of his life, there's a virgin womb. At the end of his life, there's an empty tomb. And we're going to hear more about that next week, Easter Sunday. Virgin womb to empty tomb. He came into life through, it came into this world through a door that said no entry, and he left through a door that says no exit. This is our supernatural God. And in his coming, in his life, his death, his resurrection, 
he inaugurated the coming of the kingdom that will never pass away. Four questions, they're going to be up on the screen. What did you learn about God today that most encourages you? What did you learn about God today that most encourages you? Number two, what did you learn that is most relevant to the pandemic that we're facing? Number three, are there any ways in which you'd like to be more like Daniel? And number four, what can we pray now in response to God's word today? Four questions. Let's get into our discussion groups. You can pray in your groups. You can pray by yourself at home. You can put your prayers online. We'd love that. We'd love to agree with your prayers. Let's get into our discussion time.